Once you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. Welcome back, beloved listeners. We are Octavia's Parables, a podcast where we are reading Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents together and learning everything we can. Right now we are on chapter 20 of Parable of the Talents, and I am Adrienne Marie Brown, and this is... Toshi Regan. We (laughs) (laughs) co-host. We co-host. We co-host, yeah. We enjoy it. And is there any news I don't have any specific news. I just love to say, you know, I be doing things. So look out yeah, for me. Yeah, you do be doing them. I be doing things. And one of the main questions we get from people all the time is, when, when, when can I see Parable of the Sower Opera? So oh, yeah. be watching Toshi's page because it's coming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I sh- mm-hmm. yeah, I should be announcing that. I should announce that last time. So um, we're coming back in 2022. And our first yes. show will be in the uh, great city of Boston, um, presented by Arts Emerson. Um, they got four shows starting February 17th. And yeah, you can go to um, artsemerson.org, I believe, and see if they've put their tickets on sale. And then this is a this is a rescheduled show. So if you already bought tickets and you didn't ask for the money back or donate it, then you still have tickets and you can go. And then we will be in Champaign-Urbana, we will be in Ann Arbor, and we will be in Washington, D.C., in the DMV area, the co-produced by Wooly and Mammoth and the Strathmore. So uh, those tickets are on sale. So, yeah, Octavia E. Butler's Parable so of the Solar, the Opera, and maybe a couple other places. And then we're we're booking already fall 22, spring 23, Getting up to that 24 date. I don't know wherever, Adrian, we're going to be together in 2024. I'm, <laughs> I know. I know. I'm excited about it. We should do some kind of ritual on that, that birthday um, that Absolutely. starts the book. Let's, let's, put, let's put that in our calendars. Let's put it out there. Yeah. Okay. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> it is now scheduled. It is now yes, scheduled. So happening. we'll meet us somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, do a big, I, I mean, I think we have to meet in California. We have to go there. Yeah, we have to go to California. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, that's exciting. So, yeah, that I don't really have additional news, although the tarot deck is coming, and it is absolutely stunning. And, you know, we just had our a celebratory gathering of all of the artists and the designer and the oracles and the herbalist Mm. and the manager of the whole project and the publisher. Um, And there was just so much Mm. joy, black joy, black gratitude, black life, black creativity. Yes, yes. Um, This project is really a love song to Octavia E. Butler and I'm excited for it to be in people's hands. So... I'm like buying so many of those. Yeah, you know, something (laughs) just flew up in here and made a loud noise. As soon as you were like, the tarot deck is amazing. Somebody's like, I'm here for that. (laughs) Here I am. Um, Yeah, this is great. So this 
chapter that's coming right now, I think this is one of the most important chapters for organizers mm-hmm. to listen to, for people who are actually like, how do I build movement? Um, I feel like the seeds of it are in this chapter in a way that, that might be more distinct than any other. So if you are organizing, people really turn your antenna up here. Yes. Take us in, Toshi. Are you earth seed? Do you believe? Belief will not save you. Only actions guided and shaped by belief and knowledge will save you. Belief initiates and guides action or it does nothing. Earthseed, the books of the living. I always want to sing that too because we have a song based on that. Um, this How's is, it go? Belief <laughs> initiates or guides action or it does nothing. Belief initiates and guides action or it does I like, um, I walk around my house at chanting this one all the time, and it's belief initiates action or it does nothing at all. Belief initiates action or it does nothing at all. And I just walk around because I'm like, all y'all talking, talking, talking. (laughs) What you doing, 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 doing? (laughs) What you doing? Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. In the show, it's like a moment where, you know, Lauren declares herself. And yes. she and she she um, talks about the plants in the song, and she she talks about how the plants are, you know, far away from their parent plants, but they travel. And yes. then she says, "I am Earthseed." So, I am Earthseed. Yeah, but it is. <sighs> it's when she's. It's when also when her parents have a really bad fight about. Um, oh yeah, and they're using scripture, you know, to fight. Right, like thou shalt not kill and. You know, I yes. have the right to take up arms and protect the, you know, yes. whatever. And, uh, and then she's yeah. kind of like, you know what? Belief initiates her guide's action or it does nothing. Yes. So, there we are. It's so good. It's so clear. It's so clear. Uh, thank you, Octavia. Yeah, but we in the mess. And basically, we are also where Larkin, Asha, basically is letting us know she has met her Uncle Mark at 19. At 19, I met Uncle Mark. He was by then the Reverend Marcus Duran, a slight, still beautiful middle-aged man who had become, in English and in Spanish, the best-known minister of the Church of Christian America. Uh, there was some talk of his running for president, although he seemed uncomfortable about this by then. So Mark is the king. He's yes. He's the king. He yes. is the king. And she... She has also left home. As soon as she turned 18, she walked out the house and it was classic. She was like, I'm leaving. And then her mom was like, if you leave, don't you come back here. And so yep. <laughs> she was like, see you later. Like, really, see you later. And she got a job 
she's caring for um, some kids in a household where there is no father. The dad had died. And so she was very intentional about not being in a house with another man that might do her harm. And so she made a little bit of money, but she had room and board and she was she was good to these kids. And she says it wasn't yeah. like the warmest family or anything, but it totally worked. And um, she reflects uh, on her house, on the house of her family, how there was no love there, but there was there was church. And somehow in the in this time, she discovered that she liked to sing. And so she had and this is before she left home, she had she had mm-hmm. joined the choir and she started to learn how to sing. And this was like an amazing, amazing thing. At first, she was very terrified. She was very scared and she could hardly open her mouth. But then once she got the got it, she got it. And how the music occupied her body. And this is like really the major singer in the parable, <laughs> the whole parable thing. Um, you, you hear about different people like, you know, doing something. But this is like Octavia, like especially talking about how the music really held her and gave her um gave her space in her body it just seems like that and then singing with other people also gave her uh communities but of course when she decided to leave home this was taken away from her Mm -hmm. because women ain't supposed to be out there um by themselves and so a young woman leaving her parents house and not being married it's like well what was she doing yeah she was you know being a prostitute or she was sleeping with a married man or just every mm. everything that they can think of to shame um people that that to shame women I should say because men apparently can do what they want so eventually she had to let that go and it was like a a point where she says that she actually just became very very lonely that she she actually missed her home she missed the church yeah. and it was that weird you know, thing of like, you had a system of your life, even though it was like very, very, very hard. And now that Mm -hmm. you're out there on your own and you don't have anything, you kind of can miss these things and and really miss singing in the choir. However, she found out that the Reverend Marcus Durham was coming to town and would be preaching on the, uh, at the first Christian American church of Seattle. And this was a big church, not like a little neighborhood thing. And so she knew she was going to be there and Sunday was her day off. And so she basically, she camped out outside of the church. So she would be be, be uh, sure to get, get a chair, get a seat. And while they were camped out, they all got to singing. And she was really singing. And people were really recognizing her singing. And there was this mm-hmm. house next door to the church. And a woman comes running out the house and says, hands her an envelope. And in the envelope, it's a, a letter from um, from Mark. And... And, the, and it says, uh, there's a note in it, and it says, if your name is Ashavir Alexander, I would like to speak with you. I believe I have information concerning your biological parents, and signed by Marcus. And so she, of course, doesn't know what to do, but then she says, what, I'm going. So she goes in there, yeah. and y'all, I cannot, Mark is just smooth beyond smooth. Mark is like, and I'm, when I say smooth, I mean bad smooth, like like not not good smooth just bad awful plotting smooth. lion ass yeah. smooth <laughs> yes i know that's he's yes. just he's obviously i don't know if when he found her or whatever but he knows who she is and yeah. um he didn't just happen to you know stumble on her so um 
she gets she goes up in there. We gonna hear um that Mark is what kind of man? He's a beautiful man. He is He's just like man. the most beautiful man. I can't imagine what he looks like. I'm thinking Octavia, <laughs> what did he look like? I won I'm gonna go and see if she had like a person notes and drawings. Yeah, and, like yeah. like what he looked like because mm-hmm. he is the most beautiful man. And he smiled a sad kind of smile, and he says, "Well, I think we may be related. We can do a gene check later if you like. But I believe your mother was my half sister. She and your father are dead now." He paused mm. and gave me an odd, uncertain look. I'm sorry to to have to tell you that they were good people. I thought you should know about them if you wanted to. And of course, she's like, wait, are you sure? And he's like, I'm sorry. And so he begins to tell like a whole version of everything that we have already been reading and stuff. Um, he, he tells lies. He just lies yes. and lies and lies and lies. He has these like, you know, connecting webs of truth, but he is just lying all the time. And... Mm. um he says, you look like her and uh, you look so much like her. I can't believe it. And your voice is like hers. And when I heard you singing out there, I had to get up, get up and go look. I just really think that's another lie. Um, yep. <laughs> he looked at me with <laughs> like, something mm. like amazement. And then he turned and wiped away a lion ass tear. So <laughs> basically, I just, <laughs> just can't say enough oh, how this man is, is going on and, you know. We all know his path and empathetic to yes. the torture, but this is this is what he created out of his pain, and it's really, really harmful. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it makes her want to now comfort him. So she's just like, oh, my God, my poor uncle. He's He's gone through so much. So he she begs him to say more about the parents, and he lies. And he says, um, she reads, my mother had blundered through the first years of her life I'm knowing early what she wanted to do, but not knowing how to do it and improvising. And she went along and she recruited the people of Acorn because she came to believe that she could accomplish her purpose by creating Earthseed communities where children would grow up learning the truths of Earthseed and go on to shape human future according to those truths. This was her first attempt, as she put it, to plant seeds, but she had the bad luck to begin her work at almost the same time that Andrew Steele Jared began his and it goes on and on and makes this connecting uh, pathway um, almost like they're like two equal things between Jared yeah. and Earthseed. He kind of gives credit to uh, Lynn, uh, you know, Balin Ross as being like one of the people to help her kind of get herself together because she didn't know what she was doing. Um, yeah. And he goes on and on and on and on and on. And basically she says, um, She's like looking at her um, disciples disciples, and she's not sure there was much left um, of the search. But so basically she built this community and everybody was killed in it. And Larkin was found kind of in the embers of that community. So mm-hmm. he lies a lot. He lies. He lies a lot. And, and this is not good. And so here we are Tuesday, June 19th, 2035. And Lauren... And Lynn are traveling together. And Lauren says, there's, there's three of us now. And she's telling her story about why there's three people who... And at first I was thinking, when I read this, there's three people traveling on the road together. 
Um, uh-huh. But yeah, that's yeah. not what she means. It's not. It's. But she's starting to to look back at the ways that she created community and how she's been traveling, you know, so much on her own. And so she um, she starts to tell her and Lynn start to have these like, I think, really good um, conversations. And again, Lauren, just I just keep finding mean, Lauren sound old as shit. Like Lauren's always like, but I used to I used to do this <laughs> I used to do that. Mm-hmm. And Lynn's always challenging her. So they are starting to move, 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 and they're having earthy conversations. Lynn is really challenging her. And, um, you know, Lauren is talking about how she had hoped to do so much more. She still has hopes. And um, even during the 17 months of of Camp Christian, she never forgot earthy, although there were times when um, she thought she might not survive enough to really teach it. Mm Mm-hmm. But as they're moving, Lauren, like, kind of takes these moments to help people. She'll, like, she can't, like, transform their lives, but she'll, like, give somebody food. And yeah. um, and Lynn is just kind of like, why why are we doing this? Because we're not, they're still going to be hungry later. And she's like, I know, but she just thinks that it's like helping somebody get to a next step, even if she can't, like, you know, fix their entire situation. Yeah. And uh, she said, Jared would be easier to take if he cared half as much about children's bodies and minds as he pretends to care about their souls. And mm-hmm. um, and then Lynn says her father had voted for him and talked about like how her dad basically um, made the whole family vote for Jared, including all of their servants. And um, and basically stood they, they could use their thumbprints. There's something about a phone and something in, you, in your house and you use a thumbprint and it gets verified and then you can vote. And so he stood over all the servants and made them all vote for Jared. And Lauren asked this really interesting question. When did he give up on the United States? And, mm. um, and you can tell that that takes even Lynn by surprise because she didn't, she didn't think of it. But at some point he just had decided that it was not, there was no point in living in the United States and he moved to Alaska. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lynn says that, that, that she still can't believe like that La- Alaska is like a whole nother country. So mm-hmm. yeah, they have more earthy conversations. And here is like, the big thing is this, that, that Lauren is like, we keep falling into the same ditches, you know? I mean, we learn um, more and more about the physical universe, more about our own bodies, more technology, but somehow down through history, go on building empires of one kind or another, then destroying them in, in one way or another. We go on having stupid wars that we justify and get passionate about, but in the end, all they do is kill huge numbers of people, maim others, impoverish still more, spread disease and hunger, and set the stage for the next war. And when we look mm-hmm. at all of that in history, we just shrug our shoulders and say, well, that's the way things are. And that's the way they've always been. And Lynn's kind of like it is. And then Lawrence like it is. But she says there seems to be a solid biological, solid biological reasons why we are the way we are. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've like asked a lot of the scientists I get them to meet about this, too. I'm like, why are we like we are? Um Hi. If there weren't, the cycles wouldn't uh, wouldn't keep replaying. The human species is a kind of animal, of course, but we can do something no other animal species has ever had the option to do. 
we can choose. We can go on building and destroying until we destroy ourselves or destroy the ability for the world to sustain us. Or we can make something more more of ourselves. We can grow. We can leave the nest. We can fulfill, fulfill the destiny, make homes for ourselves among the stars, and become some combination of what we want to become and whatever our new environments challenge us to become. And so she goes on mm. to say, Earth Seed is about preparing to fulfill the destiny. It's about learning to live in partnership with one another in small communities and at the same time working out sustainable partnerships with our environment. It's about treating education and adaptability as the absolute essentials that they are. And then she goes on, you know, Lauren gets to going. And Lynn says, that makes a really strange sermon and says, you need to do what Jared does. And that just appalls Lauren. Like, what? You know, mm. what, what you talking about? Um, but she really is kind of like looking at the way that Jared went and communicated with people on an intimate level in a way that they could understand. And she kind of suggests that and that the difference between like what Lauren is doing and Jared is doing is that Lauren is, is Earthseed is a, is a long, a long, expensive and uncertain project, or rather it's like hundreds or maybe thousands of projects. And so it's much harder, you know, it's much harder to do something that like um, Earthseed, it's a long-term situation. And so one of the things I did note is that you can tell in the writing that Lauren Alamina has pepped up a little bit that yes. like she's having yep. these conversations. I think the last time she had conversations like this, it was with Ben Coley when he yes. was asking her like, you know, girl, tell me what you're going to do. Cause I need to know if I'm going to, I'm going to hang with you um, before, before uh, Larkin was born. And so these are really incredible back and forth. And I won't tell you all of them. You, this is a great chapter to read. Please read this chapter. And, um, but one of the things that happens is that she, um, through her conversation with Lynn, Lauren actually sees this value of like, I should go door to door. Like I should just go and talk to people. Like I should, I should meet people and I should like kind of slip her seat into the conversation and she's, you know, Larkin's like, like, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses and like all of these different people. But she's mm-hmm. like, that might be the best way to, you know, start, start to get people together. And, mm. and, and she sees Lynn as a great ally. Lynn um, remembers everything. She's very, very smart. They're able to like really communicate on a, on a same level. Like she doesn't know everything, but she finally has somebody who has read the book, who has opinions, who will challenge her. And in that challenging, she's Earthseed. I just kept writing Earthseed rising. Like you are starting to really see this happen. And uh, she quoted, we are born not with purpose, but with potential. And this is something that Lynn, Lynn noticed about that, like not with purpose, but potential. Um, We choose our purpose, I said, this is Lauren, we choose our purpose, I said, I choose mine before I was old enough to know any better, or it chose me, purpose is essential, without it we drift. Purpose, she said, with an air of showing off, she quoted, purpose 
unifies us, it focuses our dreams, guides our plans, strengthens our efforts, purpose defines us, shapes us, and offers us greatness. So they are getting down. They are having this back and forth, and this really leads to them taking a journey. And when they when they kind of pull off the road, they go up and they find this house. And when they uh, find the house, they see a woman in a garden doing some weeding. And mm-hmm. so Lauren, um, and remember Lauren is traveling as a man. So Lauren goes up to the woman and says, hey, can we... Can we do this weeding for you and get some sandwiches? And the woman is like mad chill. Like (laughs) when I first read this, I was like, why are you outside by yourself doing weeding? You need to go inside. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of land. There's this kind of garden that's like out of control weeds. And there's a house that looks a little shaky, but it's still standing. The woman like, you know, is smiles and, and gives like a little a little something, something energy to Lauren and ask if they have done gardening before, which Lauren has done a lot of and which Lynn has done none of. And so they're doing it and Lynn doesn't know anything. She doesn't know anything. So (laughs) she's just complaining and learning. Um, Mm -hmm. And they get like some delicious food. And this, this woman's name is Nia Cortez. Leah is, um, it like maybe in her 40s or 50s, and she makes them an egg sandwich, a toasted cheese sandwich, and uh, ham, and gives them a bowl of strawberries and a bowl of oranges and a pitcher of lemonade sweetened with honey. Uh, we mm-hmm. love Nia. I love Nia already. Yes, and, and I'm like, okay, girl, that's a good starting meal. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and then Lauren like takes out the sketch pad and starts drawing her, and you know is noting what she looks like. And Lauren says she's lonely and she was taking an uncomfortable interest in in her as a man. And (laughs) so it was, I remember first reading that and I was was like, go ahead, Nia, Nia, do what you got to do. And um, I was like, hello. (laughs) Yeah. And so they get their food and they're going to leave. But Nia like offers them to stay in the barn. And Lauren's really Mm -hmm. glad that she has some boundaries that she let these, this man and this woman in her house, that would not be cool. But she lets them stay there. And uh, Lauren draws a very, very beautiful drawing of her. She takes her time and she puts the quote, to shape God with wisdom and forethought to benefit your world, your people, your life, consider consequences, Mm -hmm. minimize harm, ask questions, seek answers, learn, teach. And um, Mm. Nia was a teacher for a while and basically the, uh, the school system in San Francisco had closed down. That's where she was. And mm-hmm. uh, in the early 20s, there's some good imagining the deterioration of, of our investment in the education and all of the harm that comes because of it. And there's also this company towns versus free towns. So you're starting to see the kind of shape of the country coming out of this war coming out of all of this um, sustained uh, government aggression and then the government kind of letting everything fall apart, everything get broken, everything, everybody lose their jobs, everybody lose hope, everybody struggle, everybody struggle, and then come in and start to be like, well, you know, this is a company town and this is a company town and people become grateful to have them, um, even though they're basically, you know, owned 
by a company. So, but Nia's land is her land. It was, it came from her family who she cared for and who she took care of. And uh, she survives by, you know, basically like renting land to different people. And they have like a beautiful talk. Eventually they end up in the house with her. They stay a little bit longer. And at a certain point, she has to tell Nia that she's a woman. And mm-hmm. um, and she tells her her story. And when Nia hears the story of everything that's happened, she just cries and cries. And they have a moment where they're just, they're holding each other. And the way Lauren is thinking about it is that she's just like, she deserves, she deserves to be held. Like people are not getting hugs right now. Like people are not, That's right. not being loved. And she says, I went to her and I hugged her and I held her like Lynn. She needed to be hugged and held, needed to cry in someone's arms. She'd been alone for too long. To my mm. own surprise, I realized that under the under other circumstances, I might have taken her to bed. I had gone through 17 months at Camp Christian without wanting to be with anyone. I missed Ben Coley. I missed him so much sometimes that it was an almost physical pain, and I had never been tempted to want to make love with a woman. Now I found myself almost wanting to, and she almost wanted me to, but that wasn't the relationship that I needed between us. And mm-hmm. this wasn't the relationship she needed because you know what Lauren is thinking about is her seed. Yeah, and, it's seed. And this is the third person. This is them, Nia, realizing that she can participate by taking some children in and having them live with her. And this is such an amazing thing. This changes everything. This is where yeah. she realizes, oh, as I'm traveling now, to try to find Larkin, I should start to try to make um, relationships and build, you know, this earth seed kind of vibration in the, the homes of people that exist. Of course, this, yes. this does not go so smoothly. So a few times they almost got, you know, eaten by dogs. <laughs> and, and it is it is a, a much slower journey. Thursday, June 21st, 2035. Um, she's remembering her her dad. And she's that's when she decides to like go and like at see if the other people can like you know support her, and she finds out that the town where she was just knocking on the door and people were sicking the dogs on them, that that's really a town that um, is a crusaders town, and uh, mm-hmm. someone tells her Jared says he can't control his crusaders. The man said next time out I'll vote for someone who will put the bastards in jail where they belong. So mm-hmm. this is a really cool chapter. A lot of things happen. And the one thing that we learn about Lauren is she is relentless in her truth no matter what. She's relentless mm-hmm. in her path. But also she really loved having a partner to really kind of work with and try to plan what her next steps were. And Lynn became a very big part of that. And also their conversations about where where Lynn would go. Like, do you really need to go to Alaska? Like, why don't you stay here? Yeah. Even if you're like, I don't believe in this, I don't believe in that. Why don't you stay here and work with me? So, hmm. Earthseed Rising. Earthseed Rising from the ashes, right? So, 
Yeah, this this one, like I said, I think it, there's so many questions. I think this is a really important chapter for people who are trying to organize others because um, it gets right to the heart of a lot of what we're always asking ourselves when we're trying to change the world and change how other people move in it um, towards justice. So the first questions I have are the ones that, that Lauren Oya Olamina asked us. Are you earth seed? Do you believe? Right? You've been on this journey now, almost two books worth. <laughs> and just check in with yourself. Like, which parts of earthy do you feel kinship with, alignment with? Are there parts of it that you're like, nah, that's not for me? Um, I, cu- I couldn't really get with that part. Just really let yourself find what is your relationship to earthy at this point. And, you know, there's this line where um, Asha is basically sharing the strategy that, you know, when she went to find other work that she found a single mother so that she would no longer be at the mercy of men. And it made me want to ask this question, particularly uh, for those who have dealt with abuse um, or dealt with the power, you know, unjust power dynamics in relationship to men is how have you avoided being at the mercy of men? Mm. And just track your own history there, certain decisions, maybe jobs you took or didn't take. How have you how have you done that in your own life? And then, you know, Lionel Marcos is out here just telling stories and, you know, really makes me think, what is the appropriate consequence for the kind of intentional dishonesty that Marcos practices here? What would be the appropriate consequence, right? And something that I'm asking myself whenever I get to this part of the story is, can I still access compassion for Mark? Can I still access compassion for Mark? You know, early on, it's so easy. I know his struggle. I know um, what he suffered. I know he's also looking for belonging. And at this point in the story where he has tapped into the power of the church and he is leading and he has all the resources and he's lying and he's he's keeping these these people apart. Can you access compassion for someone who lies to a child about their mother being alive? Mm. And then, you know, over and over again, we hear about how beautiful Mark is. And then in this chapter, we start to see how Lauren is interacting with people. And, and there's this moment where it's like, oh, you're seducing people. Yeah. There's a, some seduction that's happening here. And in this chapter, it kind of occurred to me, like, is Lauren also physically attractive? And I mm-hmm. wanted to ask readers, do you think of Lauren as someone who's physically attractive? And why or why not? You know, someone's capacity to transition uh, how they are presenting themselves from presenting themselves in a more femme way to a more masculine way says nothing about how attractive, how beautiful they may or may not be. Um, And I feel really curious in terms of how people view Lauren here. Well, also, she doesn't really describe other people. Like, I I mean, there's, I'm trying to think who else she said was beautiful. It's like, you know, or I feel like. She says that Bancole is attractive. You she know, says that's Zara, one of the few other people. Zara was yeah. a, a pretty girl with a light voice, um, mm-hmm. but no, but people aren't really described that way. 
like on the spectrum. Right. And of, then we don't really get to see how she's described because most of what we're accessing is her journals and you don't, I mean, I think most people don't sit in their journal like, I'm looking I'm good so today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so fine. I'm about six feet tall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so it just made me curious, you know, as you're reading, what does mm-hmm. Lauren look like in your mind? Are you moved? Do you feel attracted to her? And then I love this whole section, and I'm really glad you just sat and read it, the human species as a kind of animal, but we can do something that no other animal species has ever had the option of doing. We can choose. I think this is so beautiful, and it, I want to ask our readers, are you in touch with your right to choose? Mm-hmm. Are you in touch with your right to choose? Is someone else prescribing life for you and you're fitting into it? Yeah. Whether it be an organized religion or a familial space or an educational space or something else, there's so many places that want to tell us how to be. Are you still in touch with your right to choose? Mm. My next question, have you given up on the United States? Why or why not? (laughs) And I think there's an interesting piece here where people are like, oh, you know, giving up on the United States, I'm going to Alaska. And I feel like every election cycle I hear this where people are like, that's it. I'm done. I'm giving up on the United States. Um, And then they stay. We stay. We're still Mm -hmm. here. We're still paying taxes. And I was having this thought the other day of how easy it is to say, to say certain things, you know, like all cops are bastards, right, is, mm-hmm. is one of the things we hear regularly. But it's so much harder to deal with the fact that, like, all taxpayers are complicit in yep. anything the cops are able to do. And if you're still paying taxes into the United States system and, and here, then you haven't given up on the responsibility, even if you've given up in other ways. So I, it's a situation, a question I sit with. How do we be in, in that relationship? And it's part of the trap because I think if the punishment wasn't so severe, you know, it's like making the walls really severe when you see she escalates yeah. it to like, here are free places, here are here are company towns, here are towns where the whole town is owned by a company. Yes. And if you really start to see where this can go in terms of us occupying the land of the country or our own freedoms or, or anything. And... Yes. The increase of the the police state and the independent armies and militia and and all of that. Yeah, it's a lot. Yes, it is. And I appreciate the structure. Like, I appreciate how much she shares about the structure. And which leads me into this next question. So, you know, Lauren has a lot of assessment. Like, what we're really reading when we're reading her journals is her assessment of the conditions, her assessment of the power dynamics, her assessment of the opportunities. Like, she's breaking down everything she needs to understand in order to figure out what the right strategy is for her inside of this condition where there Mm -hmm. are company towns and there's a government that can't actually control the forces that it has unleashed. Again, prescient. And my question to you all, especially those of you who are organizers, like on the ground organizers, is do you agree with Lauren's assessment of the conditions and thus what she thinks in terms of how she's gathering community? Mm -hmm. Right? Do you agree with this pivot towards more intimate communication, door-to-door knocking, right? Going and building relationship in that way. Basically, this pivot towards organizing, door-to-door, you know, old-school organizing model. And if you don't agree with it, what would be the other ways that you would see Earthsea growing and moving? Right? They've tried creating one community that people can come to. 
that could potentially proliferate. And now she's trying this method of door to door. Mm-hmm. I heard Dolores Huerta speak one time about them going the exactly. door to door. And she exactly. was just like, you got to go door to door. You got to go door to door. I mean, you know, there is this piece like I, I often uplift the strategy in this chapter alongside of of the Zapatista model mm-hmm. of like, you know, 10 years of going door to door to door to generate a campaign of sovereignty and how, you know, there's some changes that are so massive and really so holistic. It's like everything has to change. Yeah. And when the change is that big, it can't happen in a mass information campaign. It has to happen at the level of relationship where you listen to each other and you figure out how to be in a relationship that honors what that person's concerns actually are and a relationship that organizes around a politic. And I think you have to be able to draw the line between recruitment and manipulation. And I I see again, Lauren is talking about that here, that she's like, okay, like there's some part of me that needs to manipulate people into a place where they can hear what Earthseed is and what Earthseed is offering. And she thinks that that's a righteous move because she's like, Earthseed is a liberation strategy for this person and for all of society and for our whole species. So it's, it's a worthwhile choice to be in that manipulation. I think this is a question all organizers have to ask ourselves at all times is if we're trying to get people out of a condition of oppression, is manipulation okay in that condition? Is manipulation an okay move to make? And if not, right, what are the what are the structures of relationship that we can be in that are authentic and that really allow people to bloom themselves into that next mm. phase of their own life, right? Yeah. So I love, I mean, you know, this is my chapter. So <laughs> the other <laughs> questions I have are, are you already in your small community? Right. So she really starts to understand that like small communities in the experiments, that's where these changes can happen. Are you in a small community that you can see and claim and know, or possibly in a few small communities that are in function, right? Where people, you know that they can show up for you. You know what the skill sets are. You know that you share values around where you're heading. Are you in that community? Have you chosen your purpose? Mm-hmm. And are you committed? Are you in there? <laughs> you know. And then my last two questions here. What changes when you start to organize a network of care versus a singular location of a politic? And I think this is an important question for us to ask e- each other now. Right. Especially coming out of the pandemic. That I think so many of us, the way we got through this past year and a half was by forming networks of care mm-hmm. networks that were flowing resources towards each other, sharing risks, sharing food, you know, in a very tangible way, getting each other through as opposed to we can all travel to one place or one location or we're all getting ourselves, you know, um, we're doing conferences in one place and things like that. It's like, that's no longer the way we're building our, our structures. Now we're building them relationally across space and time and what changes about the organizing we're doing and what changes about what's possible as outcomes when, when the structure of organizing shifts that drastically. Mm -hmm. 
And then my last question for this chapter is, what does this chapter teach us about risk? What does this chapter teach us about risk? And really, really reflect on it, both the risks that Asha is taking to find safety, to find family, to find home, to find the truth, and really looking at the risks that Lauren is taking with Len, with Nia, with going out to spread the word, with letting the way that her purpose and her destiny come into being change. Earthseed isn't changing, but the way she's making Earthseed real is changing. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge risk to change in that way. So just track all of that and then for yourself, really understand what is the lesson about risk here? What is the lesson for your own life about risk? Ooh. My mm-hmm. goodness. Yay. Mm-hmm. Yay. I love this chapter. This is the one that I'm like, <laughs> I think we should, like, you know, I wish there were ways to pull it out and just be like, everyone read this one. But you really do need the whole context in order for it to all make sense. Yeah. So thank you all so much for listening again, for reading with us, for studying with us. Um, Octavius Parables is hosted by myself, Adrian Marie Brown, and my beloved teacher, Toshi Regan. Uh-huh. Uh, we are produced by Kat Aaron. And our show art is from the incomparable Krista Franklin. A music um, for Octavia's parables is Always See the Stars by Toshi Regan, performed by Toshi Regan, and God is Change, written by Toshi Regan and performed by Toshi Regan and her awesome mother, Bernice Johnson Regan. And Belief, Belief. Yes. Um, yes, please give it to us. Written and performed by Toshi Regan. You're getting the, the you're getting the demos that nobody will hear. Except That's, for it's time for here. the demos. But we are, this we is news. These. We are recording the score to Octavia. We're finishing the score. Um, and I got about a week. So um, that's so massive and I'm huge. I'm so Toshi excited. Yay. <laughs> um, I feel like, I feel like I prayed and cast spells and wished on this one so much that <laughs> I feel you. personally responsible. <laughs> <You're>, you, <laughs> I feel like I played some small part in tilting the universe towards I'm this sure you did. So. I'm sure you did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, frantic manifestation, frantic. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> we will have it. It Yay. shall be. Oh. Um, good. So you can find us on Twitter at mm-hmm. Oparables. You can sustain our show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash oparables. And you can always find our episodes and transcripts all the way back to the very beginning at readingoctavia.com. Yay. Readingoctavia.com. Yay. Yay. We love y'all. See you next week. Peace. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is all that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The 
lonely night.